we were actually offered a workshop here from a guy called Michael Schumacher, who really, really opened things up for me. He was a, one of the original Forsyth crew. And uh, it was a very weird workshop. At least I thought it was weird at the time. I don't think it's weird anymore. His whole opening to the workshop was about sensual perception, as in how things touch and feel and smell and drawing awareness to the feeling of heat and the air moving around you as a, as a source of inspiration to react to. He didn't talk about making moves or making steps spontaneously. He was talking about reacting to a situation in a room. And it became nearly a metaphor for my, my whole existence, which is, I know, I, I get a bit out there with the improvisation stuff, bear with me. But uh, it's very much how I live my life. I react to things spontaneously. That's how I get by. That's how I've always got by. Welcome to our program. Thank you very much for joining me. Our guest today was born and grew up in the United Kingdom. He attended the Royal Ballet School in London and he went on to work for big dance companies in five countries across three continents. As he put it himself, he has retired from institutional dance after having been a performer for 26 years. Today he's pursuing his own projects. He works as a choreographer, a movement and improvisation coach and he lives in Gothenburg, Sweden together with his family. Uh, my name's uh, Toby. I just uh, retired from a uh, dance institution that is state theatres and opera houses. Uh, I was trained uh, at the Royal Ballet School for six and a half years, seven years. Uh, I actually started dancing when I was six years old. Uh, my parents put me into dance classes because apparently I was... Uh, uh, I needed uh, more attention than other kids at school and uh, they were advised to find an outlet for my uh, artistic temperament. So I was put into dance class and I liked it straight away because I was the only boy in the class. So I got extra attention and uh, yeah, it was great. Uh, I got very obsessed with it and uh, I kind of by accident, I did an audition for the Royal Ballet Summer School and uh, two weeks after that, I was taken into the real school uh, in the middle of a school year so my life was turned upside down very quickly and uh, yeah that was it uh, so then I was going to be a ballet dancer <laughs> uh, at 18 I graduated and I got a job in Zurich uh, from Zurich I was offered a job in the States that went wrong when I got there so I was kind of stranded in the States for a year but I managed to do some work Anyway, then I went back to Zurich as a guest. Then I went to Chile on holiday and found out that a contract I had uh, with another project in Switzerland had fallen through. So I was kind of stranded in Chile. So I started working for the Opera House in Santiago, the Municipal. Uh, I worked there for nearly a year. Uh, uh, then I left, I went to Germany. I worked in Alto Theater Essen for a guy called Martin Putke. 
Uh, I then went to Berlin, where I worked in the Deutsche Oper Berlin. And I met a, a, a choreographer who was a dancer at uh, the Deutsche Oper, who was starting to do her own choreography. And I started to work with her after hours uh, as a passion project, kind of for free. Actually, not kind of for free, very much for free. Uh, and uh, through those projects, I decided that I didn't want to be a classical dancer anymore, that I wanted to be a contemporary dancer and be more involved, uh, deeply involved in the creation of um, dance and uh, working with concepts. So I then moved to the Comish Opera, where there was a, a contemporary choreographer who'd just taken over. He got fired very quickly, so that <laughs> that didn't work. Uh, and uh, but then the choreographer I was working with for free got a directorship in another town, which which you know very well about this because that's the second place we worked together. Uh, so I went to Saarbrücken with this uh, particular choreographer, and uh, I worked there for five years, uh, building up the building up the company, I suppose we could say, and uh, developing the repertoire. Um, and uh, after five years, I felt that I was put, being put into a box artistically, so I decided to, uh, to move on, and uh, I wanted to go to a place that was, um, well, that would offer me security, and that uh, was more about the group than about the individual, shall we say. Uh, so I managed to, to get a contract in Gothenburg, which is where I've been for the last 14 years. And uh, yeah, we've been through four directors here. So it's been like working in four different companies, a huge turnover of dancers. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I don't know what more to say. It already sounds like a lot. <laughs> I think it's great. Uh, when did you first become aware of the realities of having to retire? from an active dance career? Oh, I think I've been aware of that since I was really young. I mean, when I first started dancing professionally, when I went to Zurich, they, there were already some dancers who, in my mind, were older. They were, you know, just over 30. And just over 30, especially in the, in the classical environment, is, is a time, well, at least not in Scandinavia. Scandinavia is a bit special, but in the, in the, in the rest of the world, like, that's when that's when your career starts to, to slow down um, significantly and people, people do retire. Uh, so I always thought that I would only dance until I was about 30, you know, 30-ish. Uh, if, if, I, if I was lucky enough to be able to, because uh, as you might have realized, my career was quite, uh, it was quite up and down because there were lots of uh, events that were out of my control that, that were happening. Uh, and it also became very, uh, very clear to me that it's a, it's a turbulent career and uh, you don't necessarily get to stay in it very long anyway, you know, for, for, for other reasons. So, yeah, no, I've known since I was in my early 20s that uh, at some point I would definitely have to stop. But uh, I'm a very happy-go-lucky uh, personality, so I didn't, I decided consciously not to not to think about what would happen after that. I would cross that bridge when I come to it, uh, see how I feel along the way, uh, see what doors open up as I progress. 
that's been my attitude uh, towards it. You, it was brought to your awareness that people do have to retire. You were aware of that from quite early on. Um, when did you actually make the decision for yourself to retire? Well, you know, now I'm in my 40s. So the, the window of time before my retirement was getting smaller and smaller. That was very clear. But uh, I'd made a decision that as long as I was uh, still of value to the company that I was working with, then I would keep working because I love my work and I love performing. So until now, I have been in every production and every creation. Only times where I've taken time off uh, as a parental leave. They're, they're the only times where I've uh, missed out on a program. But uh, I kind of explained this to my boss. I said, you know, I'm 44. Well, I'm, I'm 43. This was the meeting. I said, I'm 43 now. And, uh, you know, we need to talk about if you want me to retire or not. Because as far as I'm concerned, I'm, you know, I love performing. I'm happy to keep going. But, uh, you know, when the time comes, I would like it to be a, a conversation that we make, we make these decisions together, you know, that you don't just suddenly start uh, phasing me out without, uh, you know, without including me. And then I close the statement by saying, because as long as you keep casting me, I'm going to keep working. Boom. So it came back uh, after the summer because we have those meetings at the end of uh, every year. And uh, immediately I was uh, not casted for most of the season. So I went to the office and uh, I tried to have a conversation and said like, well, you know, this is a bit weird. We, we just had a conversation where I told you that... Uh, if you want to do this, it's fine. I understand, you know, I understand, but I want it to be in a conversation together and to work together on it. And she said, yeah, well, yes, yes, we're doing it. This is just, you know, I don't make these decisions. And uh, I said, yes, you do. And she said, no, I don't. And I said, yes, you do. And after the third meeting of this kind of interaction, I said, you know what? I, I quit. So it was quite spontaneous, although I knew that in a couple of years, I was going to have to quit anyway. So it wasn't, um, uh, I'm not really leaving with, uh, with, with, with bitterness, but I'm not, I'm also not leaving because I came to that, uh, I came to that conclusion and decision kind of slowly and, and nicely. I came because of a dispute with my, with my boss. Um, yeah. How did it feel for you to move away from company life, from your daily rhythm? It's a complicated question because uh, not not all of it is true because uh, I'm still uh, I'm still hired for a production next season, so I'll be going back as a freelancer. So I'll still be affiliated with the company. I'll still be involved with the company. It's just more on my own terms. As far as moving away from the rhythm of the company, I'm very very happy about that because uh, I think this is just a question of age. And experience but um, one of the things I don't like about company life is having having my rhythm and my pace dictated to me I like to do things my own speed now when you're over 40 your, your body is different you know you have good days and bad days so when you when you're feeling really good you like to push it because it's a nice feeling and when you're feeling fragile you want to like take it a little bit more easy you know it's important for me to have 
as much control over that as possible if I'm going to be an older performer. That's, and that's either as a dancer or as an actor or anything. I need to, to be able to pace myself according to my own um, uh, instincts. How do you feel about your future today? I feel quite good about it because uh, I'm, in, I'm in quite a safe situation. Um, I made some investments um, in the last 10 years, which mean that uh, even in the worst case scenario, I'm not going to be in a terrible position. So I have the luxury of being able to relax and uh, really think about what I'm doing without a pressure to come to a conclusion very quickly, which is really wonderful. Uh, and I feel really, really fortunate to have that because I know that's not, um, that's not the norm. Especially as I, I've, I've kind of made a decision to keep being an artist, at least for now. But then again, the whole pandemic thing is making me question that a little bit. Not only because we can't work uh, properly as performers right now, but also as in like, I mean, art, art is vital for society. There's, there's no doubt about that and we, we can't argue that. But at certain periods, it becomes less vital because the resources have to be channeled into places that keep us, uh, keep us safe and, uh, you know, uh, provide uh, society with uh, safety and security and, um, and, and hope. And art does provide hope, but uh, you can't compare its importance with the mortality of a, of a society. I actually think this is a very good period to, um, to step back and reflect with either the, the consequence of uh, maybe going in a different direction and doing something more sustainable, or to be able to go back in at the right time with a new creative perspective uh, to do things that are relevant in the, in the new world that we're going to live in with new architectural uh, possibilities and things like that. Uh, so it could go both ways. Um, I'm quite happy with uh, with either way, to be honest with you. Um, and do you think, has there been other support, other elements that helped you actually to move on and to construct and to build your future? Well, yes, of course. I mean, there's, I, I will be getting, I mean, there's, there's uh, financial things, you know, like I'm going to get a small pension from, from the institution I've been working in, but I will get it, but I'm one of the last people to get it because they changed the system. So the, the, the dancers coming up behind me, they won't get this uh, privilege that, uh, that I have. It's not a lot of money, but it makes a significant difference to, uh, to things. And there, there are, it's not like it was taken away uh, completely without anything else put in its place, but um, I have a lot more freedom than the dancers of the future will have. I can't help but feel a little bit guilty about that because I, I don't like the idea that I'm getting something that other people aren't entitled to. I, I just don't like that feeling. It's not because I don't think uh, I deserve it or anything like that. It's just that I don't like the inequality of it. I think that uh, the dance career is really, really hard on many levels, not just physically and not just because of discipline. It's also psychologically very hard. It's not stable. It's not secure unless You're lucky enough to work in Scandinavia where they have these, these more stable contracts. I think it's a very high expectation. 
to find something that drives you as much as that childhood uh, childhood dream you know uh, as either we can find other things that we love that, uh, that that we want to do but it will never quite be the same as that that silly childish drive so if you're not careful you could end up feeling you know satisfied but maybe a little flat after that whole uh, ridiculous flamboyant uh, thing are there any other experiences or moments in your career that you think would be important to share in regards to career transition i don't know i think it's very important to be to be uh, constantly aware that the end is coming you know it's either going to come because you're too old and nobody wants to work with you anymore or because you break your leg and that can happen at any any given moment you know you can you can your career can end like that so you, you should you should appreciate it every day and either you are organized sensible person and you make uh, you make plans uh, about what you're going to do after you find your interests and you start to study them on the side and you you know invest in that as much as you can without um, without distracting yourself too much from the thing you're doing or you take it as it comes you know and uh, you you improvise and you, you you remain as open as possible and as spontaneous as possible and try to make the the right choices at the right moment um, that's what I do <laughs> It's not magic. I, I make all sorts of mistakes all the time, and I, you know, I have to rectify them with other choices. Uh, so it's messy. Um, I'm okay with messy. A lot of other people aren't, which I totally respect and understand. Um, but uh, I'm very happy with uh, with my life and my path. The way I've decided to navigate it is very much in tune with. Uh, with me and who I am and my personality. So, so I feel very good with it, even though at times it can be quite turbulent. I, I won't lie. But I, I like the turbulence and I like the challenge of navigating that turbulence. So uh, that fits me fine. I, I wouldn't give that advice to everybody because n not everybody is okay with the kind of turbulence that, that, that I enjoy. Uh, so I think it's very individual. And uh, everybody has to maybe soul search a little bit and, and, and try to discover as much as they can who they are, like what kind of person they are, what they need, you know. Are they someone that needs um, security and, uh, how do you say, like, uh, not promises, but uh, they want to know how it's going to go three steps in advance, you know, to be able to sleep at night. Um, if that's so then you better start making those three steps because they're not going to make themselves. Um, and if not, just take it one rung of the ladder at a time and hope one doesn't snap.